Today's episode is brought to you by Canva. Uh, We're all looking for ways to make an impact at work, but not all of us are skilled in visual design. A Canva helps you get your point across uh, simply and beautifully. It's easy to design Canva presentations, docs, whiteboards, and videos. You start with a designer-made template and customize it with your content. Uh, plus, add graphics, charts, and more from Canva's massive media library. Whatever department you work in, Canva is perfect for any task. Sales decks, hiring docs, marketing brainstorms, employee videos, you name it. Anyone at work can design with Canva. Start designing today at canva.com. Designed for work. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hears from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. Welcome to BrainStuff from How Stuff Works. Hey, BrainStuff, I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And believe it or not, I was never particularly the athletic type. I have vivid middle school memories of being administered a standardized fitness test during gym class. I don't recall ever being taught how to do pull-ups or curl-ups, but I sure remember being tested on how many I could do in front of my class. The presidential fitness test was a battery of physical feats designed to assess the health of school-age American children. The test has since been retired and replaced by the less arbitrary and more forgiving physical fitness test known as Fitnessgram, but it left a significant mark on scholastic history. It all started in the early 1950s when fitness activists Dr. Hans Krauss and Bonnie Pruden administered exercise tests to thousands of kids throughout the United States, Switzerland, Italy, and Austria. U.S. kids came up shockingly short. 58% of them failed the tests, compared to just 8% of the European kids. Then-President Dwight Eisenhower was not pleased. He took action by forming the President's Council on Youth Fitness in 1956 to seek out strategies for improving American kids' fitness scores. 
Concern mounted by the time John F. Kennedy took office. In 1960, he penned a Sports Illustrated op-ed about the perceived problem. An excerpt? In a very real and immediate sense, our growing softness, our increasing lack of physical fitness, is a menace to our security. And so, in 1966, the Presidential Physical Fitness Challenge commenced, a competition of sorts designed to get kids excited about physical fitness as it related to military service. The challenge included activities like a softball throw, a long jump, and that dreaded pull-up, all meant to mimic military tasks like grenade throwing and ladder climbing. To earn the coveted physical fitness awards, kids would have to place in the top 85th percentile based on national standards. The problem with all this testing, which, by the way, was usually done in front of one's peers, was that, according to experts, it didn't resemble the Krauss-Weber tests in any way. Rather than focusing on core and arm strength and improved flexibility, the Presidential Physical Fitness Challenge simply reflected the goals and priorities of the country and people who had formed their fitness philosophy during training in World War II. Years later, in 2012, the test was finally abolished and replaced by a more comprehensive fitness program designed to support individual goals rather than prescribe a standard fitness regimen. The change was the result of decades of negative feedback from both students and teachers. Physical education teacher Joanna Faber told NPR, The test was totally backward. We knew who was going to be last, and we were embarrassing them. We were pointing out their weakness. So where does that leave us now? And why are teachers still testing kids at all? We spoke with Marisol Vizali, a San Francisco Bay Area physical education teacher and massage therapist. She said, The reason for the tests, I believe, is basically to collect data so the state knows fitness levels of different demographics and counties, schools, cities, etc. But we teachers do our best to turn it into goal setting and teaching students about their bodies. We also turn it into awards for students with the most improvements or best scores to create some buy-in and get them motivated to be fit people. While the current program continues to focus on specific areas of fitness, there's a decidedly less militaristic approach to it. For instance, Vizali says, there are different options for each of the five categories that are tested, cardiovascular fitness, muscular endurance, muscular strength, flexibility, and body composition, which is muscle-to-fat ratio. These options acknowledge different types of fitness far better than the original test did, taking into account the different ways kids' bodies work based on age and sex, and acknowledging that fitness is a spectrum. So, how many kids do well on this test? Vizali said, The number of kids that pass usually depends on the school. In Burlingame, California, for example, where I teach, most kids pass, I'd say 85%. But that has to do with a lot more than just our awesome physical education teachers— She explains that the kids in her community are really active outside of school, whereas in poorer areas, the number of kids that pass could be much lower for many reasons. Children might not be active outside of school due to lack of local programs, time, or funding. Punishing and humiliating tests certainly aren't the way to get kids in shape, but encouraging physical activity of some kind is important since it's been shown to help kids build cardio fitness, strong bones and muscles, and even reduce symptoms of anxiety and depression. According to the Centers of Disease Control and Prevention, only 21.6% of 6- to 19-year-old children and adolescents in the United States get 60 or more minutes of moderate to vigorous physical activity at least five days per week. But don't be discouraged. Any activity is better than no activity. There are lots of guides online to making fitness fun, even for the less coordinated among us. Today's episode was written by Michelle Konstantinovsky and produced by Tyler Klang. For more on this and lots of other fitting topics, visit our home planet, HowStuffWorks.com.
from BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Today's episode is brought to you by Canva. Uh, We're all looking for ways to make an impact at work, but not all of us are skilled in visual design. A Canva helps you get your point across, uh, simply and beautifully. It's easy to design Canva presentations, docs, whiteboards, and videos. You start with a designer-made template and customize it with your content. Uh, Plus, add graphics, charts, and more from Canva's massive media library. Whatever department you work in, Canva is perfect for any task. Sales decks, hiring docs, marketing brainstorms, employee videos, you name it. Anyone at work can design with Canva. Start designing today at canva.com. Designed for work.